ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿದ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ವೇರ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಫೋರ್ತ್ ಮಂತ್ರ ಯೋ ಖಲು ಭಾವ ಉಪರಿಸ್ಥ ಶ್ರೂಯತೆ ಗುಣೇಶು ಇವ ಊರ್ಧ್ವರೇತ ಸಹ ಸವಾ ಏಷ ಶುದ್ಧ ಪೂತ ಶೂನ್ಯ ಶಾಂತ ಅಪ್ರಾಣ ನಿರಾತ್ಮನ ಅನಂತ ಅಕ್ಷಯ್ಯ ಸ್ಥಿರ ಶಾಶ್ವತ ಅಜ ಸ್ವತಂತ್ರ ಸ್ವೇ ಮಹಿಮ್ನೀತಿಷ್ಠತಿ ಅಜ ಅಜೇನ ಇದಂ ಶರೀರಂ ಚೇತನವತ್ ಪ್ರತಿಷ್ಠಾಪಿತ ಪ್ರಚೋದಯ ಪ್ರಚೋದಯಿತೋಚು ಭಗವನ್ ಕಥಂ ಅನೇನ ಈದೃಶೇನ ಅನಿಷ್ಠೇನ ಏತದ್ವಿಧಂ ಚೇತನವತ್ ಪ್ರತಿಷ್ಠಾಪಿತ ಪ್ರಚೋದಯ ಪ್ರಚೋದಯಿತ ವೈ ಏಷ ಅಸ್ಯ ಕಥಮಿತಿ ತಾನ್ ಹೋ ವಾಚ ನೌ ದಿ ಕಾನ್ವರ್ಸೇಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ಕಂಟಿನ್ಯೂಯಿಂಗ್ ಬಿಟ್ವೀನ್ ಪ್ರಜಾಪತಿ ಅಂಡ್ ದಿ ಬಾಲಖಿಲ್ಯಾಸ್ ಬಾಲಖಿಲ್ಯಾಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಪ್ರಜಾಪತಿ ಆರ್ ಹ್ಯಾವಿಂಗ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಎ ಸಂವಾದ and in this samvada the the certain things are being discussed and the varakhilyas have asked about the nature of that being bhagavan that force which impels everything into becoming animate doing its job in its own way and uh, becoming you know may, the force that is a what is called a creative force and this creative force is the one that is in question being talked about what is the nature of this creative force and how does this force animate the whole universe and here the you know we have seen in detail how the uh, bhagavan is talked about in the traditional text through two standpoints what are the two standpoints that is the lakshana and swarupa lakshana swarupa means how the nature of bhagavan is you know from its own standpoint and tatastha lakshana means from the standpoint of the jagat you know because we can't discount the jagat how does the how does the nature of bhagavan look like this is the, this is the whole idea and so now this uh, first usually what happens what we are used to is that first the swarupa is talked about you know brahma vida apnoti param tadesha bhukta satyam jnanam anantam brahma the opening mantras of the taitriya upanishad what do they say brahma vid aapnoti param 
the, the knower of Brahman gains everything, gains the ultimate. Then immediately you want to know, because you want to gain the ultimate, so you want to know what? What is this ultimate? Kimtad Brahman. And what is this, you know, Brahman? So that kind of a desire to know Brahman arises. And then, then Brahman is described using three words. Satyam Jnanam Anantam Brahma. Kimtad Brahma, Satyam Jnanam Anantam. So you cannot say the words Satyam, Jnanam and Anantam are, uh, you know, um, are from the standpoint of an incidental reality that is somehow connected to Brahman and then, you know, and then it comes and it goes. It doesn't come and go because everything is, is, is Satyam, Jnanam, Anantam. And it's also not a standpoint, uh, not a definition from the standpoint of the Jagat. Why? Why is it not a definition from the standpoint of the Jagat? Simply because it is it is uh, not describing the Jagat. <laughs> ah, it's not describing the Jagat, it is describing Brahman. And so therefore, but, but everything in the Jagat is Satyam, Jnanam, Anantam. It is, it is present, it is, you know, everything is, it exists, and then it comes to light. Jnanam, it is knowable, um, either on its own, or through something else, through a means of knowledge, it is it it you come to know it, and then it is forever because you can't destroy anything in the universe. Neither can you add to it, so it continually and infinitely keeps transforming into something else. So it never comes to an end. So you can say that this is not the it, this is not quote unquote <laughs> the property of <laughs> Brahman. Uh, but that of the Jagat, because the Jagat is, is sharing the same thing. Yes, but just like the peacock feathered, uh, you know, crow. The crow that put on the peacock feathers and went to the, uh, went on the slide to attend the peacock conference. You know, the Jagat is just shining in Satyam Jnanam Anantam. It's borrowed feathers. Yeah. Because whatever Brahman touches is not, you know, everything is Brahman. So this Jagat is also Brahman. And then what? Jagat is Sachidananda by, by proxy, so to speak. <laughs> not on its own. Yeah. Jagat is existent, yes, but what kind of an existence? By the time you say it's existent, it's gone. Yeah. And then Jagat is, you know, all knowledge. And that knowledge doesn't belong to the Jagat. It's not It's not a Lakshana, the definition of the Jagat. And knowledge here means that sentience, that awareness which inhabits everything and animates everything. So, and this we know how because the Valakhilyas have told us that everything in the Jagat starting with his body is as dead as a cart. Ah, they know cart, they do cart very well. Yeah. They know the ins and out of the cart. And so then they say that, you know, they have observed the cart. And then the cart needs a driver. Similarly, this body also needs a driver, which means what? The sentience doesn't belong to the body. It comes from elsewhere. And what about Ananta? Don't even talk about Ananta. Ananta is limitless. Everything in the Jagat is finite. And this is where we get stuck up because we don't know where this Anantyam is. And uh, it is again a borrowed, you know, definition. It's, it's uh, this definition, if it even uh, is applicable to the Jagat, it's a borrowed Anantyam.
it's a borrowed ananta <laughs> so therefore you cannot say that this is an incidental definition of brahman because this is it as intrinsic to brahman as heat is to fire just like you cannot describe fire without using the word heat yeah you cannot say you know fire those those flames yeah but what about it well it has some sparks also sometimes yeah but the sparks sometimes right yeah it comes and goes and sometimes there is smoke yeah but you keep telling me all the things that are the, the fire from the standpoint of sometime what is so characteristic about fire all the time what is so characteristic about fire that that never goes away that without which you cannot describe well it is cold you can't say that <laughs> it's the opposite it if anything it is hot ah it is it is hot it's not cold and uh, and, and then so we have to um, you know uh, look at this from you know uh, so, so from this kind of a point you know standpoint and so uh, brahman has the definition of what you know satyam gnanam anantam in the taittiriya upanishad and the same thing we are going to see now but before that we had the definition of brahman from another standpoint from the standpoint of the jagat where brahman assumes a role visavi the jagat and what is the role of brahman uh, with regard to the jagat <laughs> so first it is the creator of the the whole entire jagat how does it create it creates as though by by you know quote and quote you know cloning itself <laughs> and and quote and quote by entering every form and every name inhabiting it and making it shine through its own glory through its own satchidananda so that's why the jagat becomes satchidananda because bhagavan is satchidananda and we i think we had two or three classes to understand properly the word uparistha <laughs> it's not that it is sitting somewhere up the eyes don't have to fly upwards uparistha you know and so and and therefore what so that the word uparistha itself is tatasthalakshana that's the one word and what i was saying when we started to uh, this discussion today is that you know this jagat you know usually we have the swarupa lakshana coming first first what do we have swarupa lakshana and then we say tatastha lakshana you know same thing in the taittiriya upanishad chapter chapter 1 is all about preparation mantras gayatris vyahritis and so that the mind is prepared to gain this knowledge very extensive preparation and then what chapter 2 is all about at least in the beginning is about swarupa lakshana and then as the chapter 2 unfolds we have tatastha lakshana and chapter 3 is fully tatastha lakshana along with other things that one has to be mindful of so you know so the swarupa lakshana in the taittiriya upanishad is simply satyam gnanam anantam and to explain that takes one year and you know along with how it should or should not be understood what is gnanam and what is this what is that it's a very involved discussion and then what and then you have 
you know, a sentence. Tasmadva e tasmad atmana akasha sambhutaha akasha dvayuhu vayor agnihi agne rapaha adbhya prithivi rithivya oshadhayaha oshadhibhyondam anhat purushaha. So this is a, a certain trajectory. So the word Brahman is given up. It's transformed into Atma. And this Atma is seen as the author of the universe. Suddenly from Satyam Jnana Manantam, suddenly as the author of the universe, from this Atma alone space has come. From space, you know, the, the element called wind, Vayu has come. From Vayu, you know, fire has come. From fire, water has come. From water, earth has come. And then from earth you have plants and trees. And then what? After plants and trees, what has there? Then from the, the plants and trees give food. And then from food you have this body. Ah, this whole thing is just beautiful. And so that is what is called... Tatasthalakshana, because only when the Jagat is there, it has to be explained who is the Karta of the Jagat, who is the author, who is the one that is, you know, uh, seen as the creator, and what is the relationship between that which is created and the creator, and to which we say that which is created is non-separate from the creator. Oh, so the creator has become the Jagat? No, 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 Uparistaha. <laughs> That's why we need both the Lakshanas. <laughs> Uparistha means asanga, standing away, not, you know, this is a limitless force which is as though giving its, you know, lending its presence and its sentience. So, I mean, even all these words are, you know, what, um, insufficient to describe what is going on because they, these words are used uh, merely as indicative words because what is going on is really that Atma is you. And that Atma is already self-effulgent. So it doesn't really, you know, need to be revealed. It only needs to be, what one needs is a correction. Yeah, it's not that the, we are relying on the words of Prajapati here in the Upanishad. You know, coming through Shakayanya, you know, we are not relying on that. We, what we are doing is that already self-effulgent I is subject to mistakes and these and listening now to Tatastha Lakshana, sorry Swarupa Lakshana is, is now going to help, you know, remove those mistakes. And the mistake removal, even though we say that the knowledge is negation, neti neti, but it's not just neti neti. Because if you just keep saying not this, not this, not this, and you, you know, it's not enough to remove the ignorance. And why? For two reasons. The, the first reason is because if you just say neti neti, what is it? You know, okay, atma is not the jagat, atma is not this, atma is not that, you know, achhe dyoham. Atma is not, not subject to the five elements. It cannot be cut. Adahyo aham. This Atma, this I is not, uh, you know, achedyoyam, adahyoyam. I am, this Atma is not subject to being burnt. You know, akledya, it, it is not subject to being, having water damage. Ashoshya evacha, it cannot be dried out by microwave or air. It, it is not subject to dehydration. 
okay then what you know so then you are wondering okay what does it even exist <laughs> then immediately it is fall nitya sarvagata sthanuh achaloyam sanatanah so after what it is not it is immediately the the shruti says which upanishad is this yeah yeah geeta the tone should have given it away that's why you know when you start saying nitya sarvagata sthanuh that is a giveaway <laughs> yeah so so nitya sarvagata sthanuh nitya it is it is it is it is there it's not not there it's not some big zero and uh, you know it's not non existent because it's not this not this not this and therefore what so the buddhist you know comes to the conclusion it is nothing it's a big big nothing you know but that's not our uh, understanding because you can't call it a nothing because you cannot negate the one who says it is nothing the one who says it is nothing is is present and so therefore what so therefore you know the whole thing is just uh, amazing because after neti neti you know you have this iti iti it is like this it is like this it is like this and so we need both the definitions this is one reason the second reason is that you know the shruti has words that positively describe brahman atma positively unfold the nature of the i not through negation and those words also you know have an effect in terms of deploying you know in terms of being deployed by the person handling the means of knowledge called shabda pramana uh, it has a way of going in the head of the seeker of knowledge so you cannot dismiss that otherwise half of every upanishad we should just you know blank out why we should not teach it we should only teach the negating words but we teach both because both of them have a place in this in the gaining of this knowledge and this is this is a um, convention that is followed by all the people who uh, compose uh, chants uh, for the um, you know vedanta chants and vedantic works you know मनोबुद्यहंकार चित्तानिनाहम न च श्रोत्रजिह्वे न च प्राणनेत्रे न च व्योम भूमिर न तेजो न वायुः चिदानंदरूपशिवोहम शिवोहम न मनः न बुद्धिः न अहंकार I'm not the mind. I'm not the buddhi. I'm not the hankara. Then I'm not my emotions. I'm not the sense organs, and I'm not the five elements from which the sense organs have been have been crafted. And it doesn't stop there. Chidananda rupa ha, shivoham shivoham. I'm in the form of chit. I'm all knowledge. You know, I'm the most auspicious. thing there is shiva means auspicious how wonderful so this is the same convention is followed even in the chants of vedanta so you know what to what to talk about uh, what to talk about this um, you know what to talk about the upanishads so now let us look at the text and see 
exactly what is going on here and where we have to see where the tatastha lakshana starts so guneshu iva urdhvare tasah means asangaha okay so that that is where it starts and then after that um, that is where it begins that's like the bridge asangaha but it's still asangaha means the it's also uh, talking about the creation mythology where brahman as the creator is not um, you know is not involved or completely uh, what's the word for it hijacked by what is created so therefore what so therefore now we have uh, from the line sava eshah then we have the uh, the words that are what is called tatastha lakshana description of bhagavan from the standpoint of itself and this bhagavan from the standpoint of itself is is also known as brahman aka atma aka i so this is one's nature after one has cognitively dealt with and negated the body the mind the senses as the ultimate reality of the self cognitively you you don't have to jump out of the body in order to have a vedantic experience <laughs> this is another problem you know the unless this go the mortal coils drop how can you have you know brahma sakshatkara how can you make brahman actual you have to have an experience of being disembodied you know this allosis and then to which you have to say that that is not necessary <laughs> otherwise if that was the way then everybody will be jumping out of the body and there will be too many preta shariras there will be too many disembodied beings wandering around and being disembodied is no fun you can't even attend a vedanta class because you will not be able to sit there is nothing to sit <laughs> yeah so so that is why what you know the disem all the disembodied beings if they are there are always looking for a body to get into and if you look if you read books uh, even our shastra says that read the aitareya upanishad it is it, our shastra says that and uh, the tibetan buddhism which is very close to the you know hindu belief uh, is that uh, the, the the tibetan buddhists also say that there is this book fantastic book tibetan book of death and dying and if you read that you know it's very interesting because all these disembodied jivas jivas you know means people who have passed away whose sukshma sharira is is around and not for some reason has not yet had an incarnation and then what are they doing of course they all want a human birth and so they join every marriage profession and they are hanging a not profession procession and they join the marriage procession and they don't let go of the bride and the groom they are always hanging around the bride and the groom in order to just get into the womb of the bride <laughs> this is what they are doing <laughs> and so every marriage procession that's why every marriage ceremony has some kind of a propitiation for the ancestors and also the uh, uh, you know the disembodied beings you know so therefore what so therefore we have you know this is the, this is what the whole uh, uh, thing is and therefore 
you know this is not some you know we are not talking of some kind of a um, you know preta sharira we are talking of we are not talking of an actual out of body experience we are talking about what you know we are talking about the uh, we, are, we are talking about cognitively going beyond you know cognitively understanding i am not the just the body i'm not just the mind i'm not just the senses and what am i sava esha shuddha shuddha means you know free of raga dvesha as we talked about this we had done shuddha shuddha sava esha esha shuddha shuddha means what you know free of raga dvesha and you know this is difficult how do i understand <laughs> that i am free of raga dvesha because you know uh, i am seething with raga dvesha all the time one can say and uh, you know shuddha and the bhashakara says very uh, beautifully and uh, you know he talks about shuddha uh, he says that you know why one is free of raga dvesha because in sleep there is no raga dvesha so that means raga dvesha comes and goes it is not attached to you and it's not part of you so therefore even the person who says what and what i am full of ragadveshas is is actually observing them you know so therefore and is observing how they come and go so already when you say i am full of ragadveshas there is a little bit of a separation between you and ragadveshas that's why you can say i am i'm you know full of all these ragas and dveshas ragadvesha means you know strong prejudices and preferences and then what you know and then shuddhah putah putah is a past participle um, you know of pu pu means to purify so putayati uh, you know so pavayati like this so you you can you know this is a interesting thing so it means purified <laughs> if you really tra- literally translate it but we cannot do that <laughs> why can't we do that purified like for example if you are um, if you are looking at a bottled water and it will have a sign on it purified at such and such a plant regular tap water or water from a ditch or wherever <laughs> it has been purified what does it mean Huh? Purified means what? What does that mean? In relation to the water, what does it mean? When you, when I say something, you know, was purified, what does it mean? Ah, it was impure before. Ah, yeah. Purified means freed, not free. Freed of impurities, literally meaning when you take purified, the past passive participle meaning it was not pure in the beginning, and uh, you know abhi now it has been purified. So now, if that is the case with the atma, then we are not Vedantins, we are Jains. <laughs> Jain belief is like this: that atma is dirty. and you have to purify you have to keep the atma you have to keep on purifying the atma how you have to keep on purifying the atma you know through all these um, tapas uh, with regard to the body this is perhaps the words like this have become an offshoot for jainism 
This is not the Vedanta's belief that the Atma, if it was impure before, what will happen? Huh? And then now it is somehow purified. What will happen? It will become impure again. That's all. You know, pehle impure, abhi pure, and then later on, baad mein, again impure. So first, it was impure. Now suddenly it is pure, purified. And then now it will be it, it is subject to becoming impure again, like even a copper pot. So the copper pot was shiny when you bought it from the shop, and then you kept the it in the puja room or by the bedside because nowadays everybody drinks copper water and they say it's very good for health. And so you kept it by the bedside or in your puja room, and then after a few weeks, what happens? You have to take some lemon and then rub it and rub it and rub it. And then, then again it shines. It was pure before, then it was impure, pure, pure, impure, impure, pure, pure, impure, impure, pure. Then, then you cannot say that this is Brahman because Brahman is limitless. And that which is limitless is not sub automatically not subject to change. So really speaking, this past passive participle in terms of Bhutaha, you know, you cannot take it as, you know, what is that? Uh, Karmani Nishtha. Nishtha here doesn't mean Jnana Nishtha. Nishtha means past passive participle. So here you cannot take it from the sense of Karmani. Karmani means from, from the sense of an object, you know, meaning it's an object that is purified. And then you have to ask, then uh, the, the second problem with taking it like that as a past passive participle is, is even though it says there, is, is the, set, the second problem is this, that that means that there is an agent that is bigger and more limitless, I don't know how you can say that with a straight face, more limitless than Brahman because if it is, it is the one who is chastising Brahman and purifying Brahman. So, which is more greater? Is, is Brahman greater or is that the, the agent, whichever it is, purifying Brahman greater? You know, so there is no such agent purifying Brahman because Brahman is everything. So then, you know, so then perhaps we can take it in the Kartari. We can take it as an agent that purifies everything. <laughs> like Windex. <laughs> spray, spray. Wipe, wipe, ah, gleaming, <laughs> so this horrible jagat and all the things that have been quote-unquote tainted by samsara, Brahman is this nice clear blue liquid wielder, goes fuss, 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 fuss on all the surfaces, including one's antakarna, and then wipes it clean. <laughs> So can you take it in the Kartari? Can you take it as, as an agent of purification? Huh? Does that sound good? Yeah? No? It doesn't sound good. Because then you have to ask, then again there is Anantyahari, loss of Anantyam, loss of understanding Brahman as itself, complete and limitless. And no, as an Akarta, it's not Akarta, loss of Akartritvam. Because if it's not a karta, what is it doing with a fusfus in its hand? And what is it doing with a spray bottle? And, and also, what is the agent of purification there that it is holding? Then is that the same as Brahman? Or is it separate from Brahman? 
if it is you know if it is not the same as brahman then we are again into difficulty then we have dvaita not advaita and if it is the same as brahman then why is it doing phosphorus <laughs> so what are we going to do with bhuta <laughs> we have to just we have to take away the pa, even though it's past passive participle we have to not look at it from the standpoint of the object or from the standpoint of a, a agent or a victim uh, you know uh, a victim that was impure and it has been purified it was not acted upon by some agent of purification and neither is itself an agent of purification so what is it it is pure by itself simple yeah that is how we have to take it that, that both of those are negated you know the uh, past passive participle in terms of a something that was an object that was being acted upon uh, is negated for the reasons we have described and as a uh, what as an agent of purification you know just remember phosphorus that also it cannot happen and so putaha means itself completely pure not purified you know yeah itself completely pure and then of course i don't know why we are getting these words each word is taking so long to to unfold but the next one of course is what shunya now we can be here the rest of the time yeah shunya another what is that another uh, another loaded word vedanta and the shruti generally doesn't use shunya this is one of the few places i i can think of a couple of other places <laughs> maybe in chandogya or something ah uh, you know maybe one or two other places and maybe in some of the you know uh, other upanishads maybe there but this shunya again is a loaded word why is it why is it a loaded word because it means zero yeah that means what brahman shunya is shunyam brahma shunyam brahma means non existent brahman ah non existent then after that we should stop there because what's the point of talking about so much there is so many other words anantah akshayah ajah asthirah shashvatah we can just keep you know put that aside because all of them are negated by this one word shunyah meaning what it doesn't exist <laughs> you know it's like describing a person and this is again we have to bring in the the glory of the taittiriya upanishad bhashya where bhashyakara in this case adi shankara describes you know describes this shunyatva in a very exciting very you know interesting and uh, and a fun way extremely exciting so he says that you know here goes this person who is this person is this man this young man a very handsome young man who is this you know um, yadi gachati goes what who goes this man is going who is this man is this man is the son oh he is the son oh who is his mom his mom is somebody who cannot give birth no surrogacy no this thing nothing you know so he is a son he is a non existent son of a mother who cannot give birth okay or in any manner <laughs> okay 
but he is very handsome. <laughs> and uh, and uh, where is he going? Hey, Shahai, Yati, this one is going. And uh, you know, who is this? Vandhyaputraha Yati, the son of a non-existent, the non-existent son of a non-existent mother. Behold, he is walking, he is very handsome. And you know, and his shine of his face is so resplendent because he just got out, he just came out of the bath. So he's clean, shining, resplendent, handsome, you know, just wonderful. Oh, he just came out of the bath? Where? I don't see any water. <laughs> well, he just bathed over there. Where? And you know, you look to point out where it was pointed out. Where did he bathe? All I see is sand. Aha! That's what he bathed in the waters of the mirage oasis. Not a real oasis. Oasis means that there are certain bodies of water in, the, in, in desert. All I see is a desert. Where did he bathe? You say he came out of the bath. He, he came out of the bath. Did he have a sand bath? No, no, no. He had a nice water, cool water bath. That's why his face is shining. Don't you see? But where did he bathe? Now you are also becoming <laughs> caught up in this story and instead of just, uh, you know, instead of just stopping it right there and saying, you know, come on, if he doesn't exist, who cares how he bathed? You know, but you have also been caught up in this wonderful story. And so you say, where did he bathe? Show me where he bathed. <laughs> where did he have his bath? Where did he have a dip? He had a dip in the mirage water. In this, in this desert itself. Oh, and then he is adorned with flowers that have dropped out of the heavens because <laughs> he is so putaha, he is so pure that Bhagavan decided to drop some flowers from heaven, a celestial fragrant flower. But what is its name? Are I am telling you it's from heaven. How will I know its name? I am local, okay? This flower is non-local. It has dropped from somewhere. Don't ask me its name. You know, Mrigatrishnambasnataha, <laughs> you know, bathed, freshly bathed in the mirage waters. Khe Pushpashekharaha, you know, adorned his hair with, with what? You know, with a nice, uh, you know, nice flower that for, specially for, for him, he dropped from the heaven. Esho Yati Putraha. Oh! Sun is going, whose son? <laughs> the non-existent son of a non-existent parent. You know? So what kind of a reality it is? <laughs> non-existent. You can't even say so. What is the use of, of writing a dissertation on the non-existent son of a non-existent mother and his characteristics? Huh? <laughs> his characteristics? And his, uh, you know, things, his uh, properties, yeah, and then we can, let's say, we then wax eloquent about upon his nature. What is his nature? You know, come on, let's make, because obviously he's a very eligible bachelor. So let's make a profile for him and put it on shadi.com. There is some, you know, all these matrimonial websites, you know. So let us put it on that. And so what shall we say in the profile? He's very pleasant. <laughs> oh, and he likes tennis. And he likes Olympics. And he's very athletic because naturally he's young and very, you know, well built. So he's very athletic in nature. So he likes, he loves sports. And then, you know, 
and then he is vegan you know we can we can keep we can make up this profile about about a non existent person actually this is not far from the truth because even an existent person while writing his profile or her profile on a matrimonial column uh, in on the website will put all kinds of non existent things because they want to look good <laughs> so this is not far from the truth but anyhow so we can you know we can we can make a marriage profile and get him matched up with a non existent prospective date huh who also has you know who is also the daughter of a non existent a non existent daughter of a non existent mother and if the non existent son of the non existent mother had bathed in the mirage waters uh, you know this one also can have bathed in some other non existent she, she could have bathed in the waters that reside in the in the suspended in the air she she bathed in the in the limpid placid pool in the clear pool or in an airborne bathtub pool you know how is that possible just like how it is possible to bathe in the mirage water simple you know <laughs> so therefore we have to be very very uh, you know clear and what you mean by the word shunya because if it is non existent then shantaha apranaha and all we just we just stop the class right here there is no point in going forward because why do we sit and wax eloquent and sound silly or oh, by talking about non existent things very very silly you know yeah so the, therefore what therefore we have to you know understand shunya means you know not non existent emptied of all kinds of things that you can use to describe it ah, that is what is shunya shunya means you know that which is not possible to pin it down and describe it <coughs> describe it in a particular way so brahman is the author of the jagat not because that is only an um that is only a um, an incidental definition brahman is you know pure putaha <laughs> okay that's an intrinsic definition you can say but still the word putaha is those are just indicatory words because that is how the swarupa lakshana operates the swarupa lakshana does not describe brahman it just uses the words that we already know and we already have a connection to indicate the presence of brahman that is what it is so shunya means empty of all names and all forms even though it it presides in and resides in and abides in so to speak every name and every form it animates every name and every form anything that is existent is brahman but brahman is not any one thing that's why it is shunya bereft of all properties bereft of all kinds of you know resisting description as an object ha shunya means that which cannot be objectified because what are you going to say you know definitively that this is brahman even satyam gnanam anantam are is like you know what uh, ramana maharshi said very nicely those are sign posts leading to brahman 
it's like they function as signposts they are indicative words that's why we say lakshana lakshana doesn't mean you take it literally they are indicative words and then what shunya and then so emptied of all qualities and then the then the next one is what shantaha <laughs> which is the opposite of me and the, what i want is shanti every seeker wants shanti shunya and shantaha shantaha means you know with, without you know without any ripples yeah without any chalana unlike one's mind always there is uh, you know movement and the point is that there should be movement that's not the point you know the point is not to sort of become dull and in a vegetative state that's not the idea but shantaha here means you know it comes from sham that which is resolved that and and we we use that for the mind as well we want shanti everybody wants shanti it is resolved everybody wants the mind to be resolved everybody wants oneself the ahankara to be resolved and this resolution is not possible without knowing the nature of the self and when you look at brahman it is naturally shanta there are no waves no tsunamis no ripples <laughs> why because brahman doesn't have the mind <laughs> it has no mind it's going to be told later it has no mind therefore you know shanta i also don't have a mind <laughs> i also don't have a mind you know to avoid if somebody says that what will i say never mind <laughs> yeah you can't be saying i don't have a mind if you have a mind okay yeah so yeah uh, this is this is the the thing shantaha means it is it is resolved of all dualities because dualities make the um, uh, you know cause fear and sorrow and those kinds of agitated emotions so it's free of agitation you know it's not like the water that has been churned using a churning stick manthita you know uh, it is not that it is a water that has been left to settle and so all the mud all the silt has settled and the water is without any it's like a you know nivata without even any wind you know moving over the surface of it and causing uh, ripples eddies waves so it is it is devoid of internal uh, you know bubbles and movement because there is something inside like fish etc you know that is causing the water to move you know so it's devoid of anything internally there is uh, you know causing it to be agitated and it is devoid of any external force causing it to be agitated ah this is the truth of oneself internally one is incapable of being disturbed externally one is incapable of being disturbed even though that is the truth of oneself one needs <laughs> one is not able to touch this truth because one is not you know one has not been able to remove atma ajnanam when the atma as the atma ajnanam goes there is no internal disturbance 
and there is no external disturbance possible because the external disturbs only because I see Dvaita, I see two in place of one and that's why there is external disturbance. Uh, because I am affected and afflicted, I consider myself because of, uh, you know, Ajnanam, Avidya, because I don't know myself, because of the, uh, there being no self-knowledge. I take myself to be the victim of disturbance. So I'm easily disturbed. And sometimes people will say, I just have to sit next to somebody who is upset and I quickly get upset. Uh, this is the problem. I get upset because somebody sitting next to me is upset and they are going around with a heavy cloud on top of them. And sitting with them, living with them, I too get disturbed. So this is, you know, uh, even though this is natural, because, you know, disturbance of that kind is contagious. Uh, you know, happiness is contagious. Sorrow is also contagious, so to speak. But it's contagious only when, you know, one doesn't have an active uh, meditative life, when one doesn't have an active shravanam life, a life that is devoted to listening to Vedanta. It is not there. And so therefore what? So therefore, this is, you know, this is something one has to understand. And this shanti is what one wants. So this is free of external disturbance. Okay, what about internal disturbance? Suddenly for no reason I am angry, upset and annoyed or sad or fearful. That also is not possible because there is, you know, the, the, the unconscious is, is has been given up to Bhagavan, so it is resolved. And even if the unconscious pops up, I don't identify with the unconscious. And so therefore it has no power over me. And so that is, you know, that is what is meaning of the word Shantaha, Apranaha, means that which it in itself is, is there, you know, is, uh, is uh, uh, what is that, resilient, resplendent and sentient without needing uh, all the pranic functions like respiration, etc. That which, in other words, that which is alive without needing to breathe. Think about that. Aprana, <laughs> which is alive, which is sentient, but it doesn't need to breathe. We can't even conceptualize that. <laughs> so dependent one is on prana. That's why the most of the Upanishads have a lot of, uh, up, uh, what is that? Uh, upasanas based on prana, meditations based on prana. Why? Because, you know, this is how it is. The meditation based on prana alone helps the you know, helps this, uh, uh, helps this thing, helps one to kind of connect to everything. And so, because prana, uh, the identification with the prana cannot be really given up fully, you know, and uh, until one is completely abiding in this knowledge. And then one can be objective about the prana, whether the prana comes or goes, you know, I am, you know. I am Nishpranaha, you know, Pranadi Dharma Rahitaha Ityarthaha. But this uh, Ram, Swami Rama says, Swami Rama Tirtha says, Pranadi, Prana here also means all Apana, Vyana, Udana, Samana, all these things, you know, because all these Panchapranas, 
these five functions which keep this body alive that is you know that is what one identifies with i am as good as my breathing and that's why when the mind is disturbed the breathing becomes very heavy one starts to hyperventilate it's called an anxiety attack ah that's when you need a paper bag then a little bit of carbon dioxide helps the breath to settle down it's called hyperventilating because suddenly one is needing to breathe more and more because uh, you know the mind is disturbed and very agitated and the mind is in trauma and is panicked and so what so the the first thing that that unsettles is the breath because there is that identification and that's why in the meditation when we teach meditation we tell people you know don't identify don't make the the mantra match with the breath you know supposing you sit you can try this right now you just sit quietly close your eyes you know allow everything to settle and just breathe normally there is you know no need to disturb the breathing or breathe in a particular way and then simply mentally not using the lips or the breath just mentally keep saying om namah shivaya the breath must not be aligned to the breathing that is what we teach and so to test if the breath is connected to the the chant the breath must not be aligned aligned to the chant so to to check that start saying om namah shivaya fast fast very very fast mentally and if the breathing gets disturbed that means the breath and the chant are aligned de-link them now breathe on your own pace but say the mantra fast see if you can do that and let the chant drop and slowly open the eyes when you're ready so you see now wasn't so hard i mean wasn't very easy correct wasn't very easy to do this because one finds that uh, especially if the mantra is slightly longer like dakshinamurti mula mantra om namo bhagavate dakshinamurtaye mahyam shriyam medham pragyam prayachchaswaha and if you start saying fast quickly quickly om namo bhagavate dakshinamurtaye mahyam priyam medham pragyam prayachchaswaha om namo bhagavate then immediately the you feel like breathing fast is not that easy so therefore in the meditation we practice this and this is a very good thing to practice in the in the cultivate the practice in meditation to always check 
if the chant is happening mentally how to make sure the chant is happening mentally you you stop the chant and do some mental arithmetic you say okay what is 12 plus 12 uh, keep it simple don't say what is you know 479 plus uh, 982 <laughs> ah it is not the, don't do like that what is 6 plus 12 what is 12 plus 10 things like that you do some mental arithmetic and then where the answer comes 2 3 more some you do like that what is 12 plus 12 then the answer comes 24 okay what is 24 plus 12 you know 36 okay exactly that time you you chant because the same place where the mental arithmetic has come then you uh, you know that same place in the mind you place the chant and then again it becomes mental and then again if you find that it's involving the breathing you do some mental arithmetic again and continue to meditate to stop the uh, you know to stop the breath becoming involved that is how when we are able to do that in the, during the meditation we are able to do that in the life as well and so that is you know um, that is the that is the whole idea you don't stop the breathing you know you you continue to breathe but you stop the identification and the speed of the chant you you stop uh, connecting that to the breathing that is the whole idea okay so this is what is shanta and aprana that is how one becomes shanta also you know so the two are connected because it is shanta it is aprana because as long as there is prana there is going to be disturbance and it has to become it has to be made shanta the prana also and then uh, and it is made shanta in two ways like through this exercise one gains shanti relative shanti and the absolute shanti one gains through the um, uh, you know uh, through the knowledge this is in the um what is that in the bhagavad gita described as nirvanam yeah nirvana means this shanti this aprana is called nirvana not a state it is the truth of oneself yeah uh, last verse of the uh, second chapter you know esha brahmi sthitih partha nainam prapya vimukhyati once gained this brahmi sthiti this uh, knowledge of brahman once gained once you start abiding in it nainam prapya vimukhyati the person does not get deluded again sthitva syam abiding in it antakalepi even if you get this knowledge in the last moment of your life if you start abiding in brahman even just two minutes before one pops off then what brahma nirvanam richhati gains what is called this you know aprana shanti etc this is uh, very beautiful and so this is what aprana means then niratma 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 means without a mind yeah <laughs> but how can brahman be without a mind <laughs> because see we can't conceptualize we are so identified with the mind one is so identified with the mind one cannot conceptualize you know something that is existent something that is sentient and that something which is without a mind it is impossible to conceptualize you know niratma means without a mind manorahitah 
ಮನೋರಹಿತ ಸಂಕಲ್ಪ ಅಧ್ಯವಸಾಯ ಧರ್ಮಾದಿ ರಹಿತ ಇತ್ಯರ್ಥ ಸೋ ಯುನೋ ಮನೋರಹಿತ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಈಸ್ ವಿಥೌಟ್ ಅ ಮೈಂಡ್ ವೈ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಯುನೋ ದ ಓನ್ಲಿ ಕೈಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಸೆನ್ಶಿಯನ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಒನ್ ಯುನೋ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸಸ್ ವಿಥೌಟ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ದ ಒನ್ ಹೂ ಈಸ್ ಏಬಲ್ ಟು ಅಂಡರ್ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ ದಿಸ್ without vedanta is something that is through the mind through the buddhi i know i am and i use the buddhi and everything and it's only after vedanta that one is understanding this that he that it may come through the buddhi but it is it is it is independent of the buddhi even the buddhi is a product and it's a, it's a place where the knowledge takes place so to speak but i don't need the buddhi to know i am <laughs> that i am is not connected to the buddhi you know one understands after you know after uh, see uh, you know through many ways one can understand but after vedanta this 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 knowledge becomes pakka even though in the beginning one may have come to this understanding that this sentient the witness is free of the buddhi because i can observe the buddhi and the mind it's you know this knowledge becomes gains sthairya a certain kind of a, a you know the knowledge of witness has a staying power only after attending and getting exposed to the knowledge of vedanta which starts with atma and anatma everything you can observe is anatma not atma and what are you atma so this is this is how the whole thing is and so therefore nirmanah means you know without a mind this is what it means it's all knowledge but without a mind to contain that knowledge and uh, you know uh, that word contain even though we you know we don't, we uh, don't use it for brahman but here it is a, it is a definition without a mind it's a negative definition without a mind nir you know nirmanah and uh, niratma atma here means manah so without a, a a holder for all that knowledge so supposing you have a lot of information and you put it in a folder uh, and then what happens is a big folder big binder full of information you know related to your office or something you put everything or even all your uh, you know personal information such as bank and taxes and uh, homeowner thing and medical records everything of you and your family you put it in a big folder and then what you say oh my god this is a lot of information but really speaking it's limited right because it is between two covers <laughs> how big can it be can it be this big can it be that big can it be you know Uh, how big is it but whatever however big is it it is it is still finite so just like this folder this big folder which is holding hey you know what is that huge amount of information knowledge you can you know and then what <laughs> and then you can see that it is still finite because you can measure it you can you can file it you can file things in it it is still finite so that is what becomes a you know characteristic of the jiva this the same sentience of brahman shines but in a as though limited way it is it is through the mind 
it is because of the mind it's a limiting factor as though for the jiva this mind but for brahman you know imagine how big the folder must be to get to, to think of all the orders in the universe limitless number of infinite orders infinite information infinite knowledge infinite everything and why is it infinite because there is no holder there is no folder there is no mind ha huh? it sentience that shines limitlessly that's why it can occupy every mind itself without having a, the need to have any mind no antakarana no sorrow no fear no unconscious and no limiting limited buddhi you know because the only thing we can say about the mind is never mind you know if you remember 10 things you forget 20 things not with brahman <laughs> ah not with bhagavan and so therefore the truth of oneself is nirmanaha without a mind no mind there at all all knowledge shines without any limiting factor and that's why ishvara is you know ishvara is not partial oh i like you because you brought laddus <laughs> says ganesha no <laughs> and you you are just not bringing anything you are just you know just coming you are a kanjus person i don't like you no kanjus means say you are a miserly person no you are the bhagavan is the same why nirmanaha no mind no partiality that's why adi shankara points out vaishamya naigrinya dosha is not there these two doshas are not there for bhagavan one is vaishamya means a, a certain kind of a hatred towards certain things not there ragadveshas are not there why are ragadveshas not there because there is no place to keep the ragadveshas you for the ragadveshas you need a nice shelf where they can be nicely put and displayed like in a showcase <laughs> you know you need where you display your trophies and some prized uh, you know uh, swarovski crystal items and collector items you know like a glass case you you display the ragadveshas also so but you need a shelf there is no shelf called the mind <laughs> so so there is there is no place to keep the ragadveshas there are no ragadveshas and you don't for bhagavan you don't need a place for the uh, ragadveshas to be kept very interesting and so there are it is free of ragadveshas free of antakarana and there is no past so there is no unconscious because the past is there only for uh, you know only for those things that are you know finite past present future if something is limitless what's the point of talking about past present and future ah when it is not subject to time how to talk about it from the you know past in the past you know how brahman was it was a baby brahman there is no point in talking it is unchanging it's going to be talked about uh, a little later so therefore what nirmanaha nirmanaha means there is no mind and uh, it's a sentience and all knowledge and awareness without needing a mind it's really mind boggling <laughs> to really internalize this so that's why bhagavan is not partial you know bhagavan doesn't drop grace this is our problem with some mainstream traditions where they say grace is dispensed you know like the word dispensed you know it doesn't sit well with me dispense means like a lotion you know or like something that is sprayed you just dispense it so you know in the uh, it's still being recorded yeah all that is all right okay so 
in uh, dispensing lotion means Bhagavan is not some kind of a thing. And I gave another example. I said, you know, in Indian weddings, did you hear about that? The Indian wedding part? Yes, no? No, okay, yeah, okay, now, so that now I know exactly where we have stopped. So in Indian weddings, we have, uh, yeah, you know, young children, boys and girls, uh, stationed at the, at the uh, door of when the, the main door of where people enter because they need a job to do so then we, we give them you know things to give, to offer to the guests that are coming to welcome them so they have some flower petals they put it on the guests and then they have some you know uh, vermilion sandal paste they offer to the guests but that is not the point here the point I'm trying to make is certain other children are given this wonderful this long dispenser with a few holes on top which you can open at the bottom and fill with rose water. So they have this like hook-like dispenser and all the children fight for that because they want that and then you know because other things you just offer it's not so exciting and then uh, they want this which they can put this rose water on people. Yeah, they put this rose water on people. So, so Bhagavan is like this dispensing Papa Punya on, on to certain people. And that's why I joked saying that the, the, the dispenser is cued or put on one side because it is, it is geared towards the top 1% that gets richer and richer and richer while the, the poor are getting poorer and poorer and poorer. The disempowered are getting more and more disempowered because the grace is being dispensed on this side where the empowered are getting more and more empowered, <laughs> you know. This is how the world is because the haves and the have-nots, you know, there is the, 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 the research tells us that there is a gap, you know. So, Bhagavan is dispensing all on, you know, one side. <laughs> this, is, this is not a, a lot of mainstream religions say, say that grace is dispensed. You know, what is this? Bhagavan is, again, this, you know, Windex, fus, fus, you know, so instead of Windex, some kind of a rose water, you know. Uh, can with something with a little hole, you know, dispensing it on certain people. And on certain people, no. Why? <laughs> because as Adis, I was trying to explain the Gita Bhashya, second chapter, Adi Shankarat uses two words which are just beautiful. And uh, first he says, Bhagavan doesn't have Vaishamya Dosha. And second, Bhagavan doesn't have what is called Nairgrinya Dosha. So Vaishamya Dosha means the fallacy of hatred is not there because there is no, you know, no Antakkarana and there is no place, there is no, there is no place to hold the Ragadveshas. Whereas for the Jiva, what does the Jiva do? Displays the Ragadveshas on a wonderful, in a wonderful glass case like one who puts the trophies and all kinds of Swarovski crystal and other collectible figures. You have a glass case. So the Ragadveshas are happily displayed, nicely polished and kept <laughs> all the time. This is the Jiva's, you know, Jiva's way, M-O, modus operandi of coping, if not coping, moping in the world along fully armed with the Ragadveshas. <laughs> so even if you have a folder of a lot of information and lot of Ragadveshas, you know, you need a place to keep them. And for Bhagavan, there is no mind because there is no shelf because... Where Bhagavan is concerned, there is no shelf life for Ragadvesha, there is no Ragadvesha. So therefore, there is no 
Vaishamya dosha, Vaishamya dosha means part, uh, the fallacy of partiality that 1%, the top 1% is getting all the punya and the rest of the people are getting all, you know, what is that, you know, taken for a ride. It's not there. I mean, this is not just in America. In any country you look, you know, the, 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 the top rich are just going on vacations all the time, you know. Where are you going? Bahamas. Where are you going? On a cruise. Where are you going? You know. Waikiki, where are you going? Timbuktu, <laughs> somewhere they are going. Seychelles. You know, this is how the top 1% lives in every country. Even if you go to a very, even if you go to Somalia, which is considered a poor country, there will also be a top 1%. This is a universal, you know, niyati, seems to be. And what is this niyati that, that you know, that Bhagavan perhaps is, is showering all the grace there. <laughs> we don't say grace is dispensed. Grace is earned through one's own action. Why? Because Bhagavan doesn't have uh, a nair grinya dosha is not there. And what is the other word? So, sorry, vaishamya dosha is not there. Vishamata means partiality. I will favor you because you brought you brought me ladoos. <laughs> and I will disfavor you because you gave me a headache because you keep asking for something or the other. Go away. And you didn't even bring me anything. No partiality. Why? No mind. <laughs> because the mind is the place where the partiality, the mind is the placeholder for partiality. No holder, no partiality. Very beautifully put. And then the other fallacy, if one has a mind, is what is called Nairgrinya. Nairgrinya means hatred. Yeah. So there is no partiality and there is no hatred. Why did I create all these creepy crawlies? I hate crocodiles. I hate all these rodents. I hate all these slimy, you know, these snake and frog and toad. And Look at a toad, how ugly. And these slugs and all, they just leave some chip-chip things. All horrible. Why did I do this? Not there. <laughs> Why? No, neither grinya dosha. Why? Nir, nirmanaha no ragadvesha. So that is what? That is what? This is what I told myself for the last five minutes. Thank you for your patience and I will see you all tomorrow. Om Tatsat. Om Purnamadav Purnavidam Purnad Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari ho.